We're going to read from the scriptures. We're going to read tonight from uh, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. First Samuel chapter 30, we'll read from verse 1. Let's hear the word of God, reading, of course, as we often say from the authorized version, the most faithful and reliable translation of the Holy Scriptures, a translation that's seen revival. Maybe sometime we'll preach on the subject of why we hold to the authorized version, but not tonight. You'll be glad to hear, but... For those online, the words will come up on screen. As we've often said, we encourage you to get a copy of the Bible and read it for yourself. And if you would like a copy of the Bible, free of charge, we have plenty of lovely new Bibles, and we can give you one. Uh, and we trust and pray that you'll take and you'll read. Let's hear God's word. First Samuel chapter 30, we're reading verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziglag, and smitten Ziglag, and burnt it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great nor small, but carried them away, and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burnt with fire, and their wives their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captive, Ahinanam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bezor. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat. And they made him drink water and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence are thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me because three days agone I fell sick. And we made an invasion upon the south of the Carathites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, 
and upon the south of Caleb, and we burnt Ziglag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil, nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, This is David's spoil. We'll end the reading there at verse 20. And we know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now my text tonight is found in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and the verse 13. It reads as follows, And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me, because three days agone I fell sick. Now, I've entitled this message, A Sinner Saved to Serve His Sovereign. A Sinner Saved to Serve His Sovereign. You'll notice that I like alliteration. Let me put this text in its historical context. David and 400 of his men are hunting for a raiding party of armed Amalekites who had invaded the southern part of Judah and burned Ziglag with fire. At that time, all the women and the children had been taken captive, including David's two wives. Upon their return to Ziglag, David and his men wept sore as they surveyed the burnt city of their home. They thought of their precious loved ones being taken captive. The men were so distraught they speak of stoning David. We read that David encouraged himself in the Lord. David did a second thing. He inquired of the Lord and asked, shall I pursue and overtake this company? The Lord told him in reply, pursue and he assured him that he would surely overtake them and recover all that he had lost. The Bible tells us then in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 9, So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bezor. Now picture this group, King David, armed and ready for conflict, 400 men with him, trying to track this raiding party of armed and dangerous Amalekites. And then in the providence of God, the soldiers find a young man lying in the field. He's an Egyptian. He's sick and nigh unto death. They bring him to King David. 
King David gives him bread to eat and water to drink. They also give him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. After he has eaten and drank, the Bible says his spirit came to him again. In other words, he he revived enough to speak. David began to question him. This is what he asked. To whom belongest thou? He asked him a second question. Verse 13, whence are thou? Literally, who do you belong to? Who's your master? Where are you going to? Reasonable questions under the circumstances. Now notice the young man's answer. I'm a young man of Egypt, verse 13. I'm a servant of an Amalekite. My master left me here. Why? Because three days ago I fell sick. We learn all that in verse 13. And he then honestly added, notice verse 14. We made an invasion upon the south of the Carathites and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah and upon the south of Caleb. And we burnt Ziglag with fire. Underline those words. We burnt Ziglag with fire. Now it's strange that this young Egyptian wasn't executed on the spot. Remember how sore and sad David and his 600 men are. Then David said to him in verse 15, Canst thou bring me down to this company? The young man replied, He would, provided that David would swear to him by his God that he wouldn't kill him or he wouldn't hand him over to his master. And it was this young man who then swore allegiance to David, became useful to David, and this young man enabled David to find the reigning party of the Amalekites and then deal with them in armed conflict and recover all that he had lost. And at the end of verse 20, we read about this is David's spoil. Now, this is a wonderful, remarkable story. I want to add, this is a true story. This is an historical story. This is not the stuff of myths and legends or a fable. This is a wonderful, true, historical, biblical story. Something that happened in real time. But this historical story wonderfully illustrates the gospel. Hence my title, A Sinner Saved to Serve His Sovereign. Because what befell this young man in the physical, historical, literal sense... I can lift it up and I can draw spiritual lessons and apply them in the gospel. So let's think of this young man as a picture of a sinner saved to serve his sovereign. Four things, very simply. One, think of the young man's family connections. If you go back to verse 13, and David said unto him, To who belongest thou and whence art thou? The young man is brought to David. After he eats, he drinks. He's asked the question, to whom belongest thou? Whence art thou? You see, David didn't know this young man. He had not met him before. This young man didn't know David. He hadn't met him before. So David's asking, what people do you come from? What place are you bound for? And the young man tells him, Openly and honestly. Well, look what he says. I'm a young man of Egypt. A servant to an Amalekite. 
My master left me because three days ago I fell sick. Notice the four things here. A young man of Egypt. A young man who was a servant of an Amalekite. A young man abandoned by his master. A young man abandoned by his master because he fell sick. When I think of this, I I think of this in the spiritual. You see, the reference to Egypt, a young man of Egypt, the Egyptians were not like the children of Israel. The Egyptians were a stranger to the people of Israel. They had no lot in their part with the people of God. You think tonight of this young man. And we read in the scriptures in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12 that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And that young man was a stranger to God, the covenant promises, and a stranger to God's Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the true state and condition of everyone out of Christ. But he's not only from the land of Egypt, but notice he's a servant to an Amalekite. Now, the Amalekites were a wicked group of people. They were bloodthirsty. They were violent. They were fierce. They were cruel. We first read of them in the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter uh, 17 and in the uh, verse 8. And listen to what the word of God says, Exodus 17 and verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Here's a reference to the Amalekites. And I want you to notice the word servant of an Amalekite. That literally means he was a slave. The Amalekite said to the Egyptian, go here, do this. And he had to obey. In other words, he was confessing, my master owned me. My master controlled me. My master uses me to do his bidding. Isn't that a picture of every sinner? Egypt in the Bible is a type of the world. And here's the Amalekite, and he's a picture of the devil and his minions of hell. And this young man's a slave. This young man's under the control, the ownership. He's been used by the devil. he's, He's living a life of servitude. Do you know that's a picture of the world tonight? Listen to the word of God. 1 John 5 and 19. And we know it, and we know that we are of God. And the whole world lieth in wickedness. The picture is of the child in the arms of the mummy. Only it's not the child in the arms of the mummy, it's the child in the arms of the devil, lying in the lap of the devil, under his spell and under his control. David asked him, where are you from? To whom do you belong? If you were asking me that question in a literal physical sense, I would have to say, well, I was born in Mackerfelt. I lived in Belfast for a short time after my mother's death. Then I moved to Bush Mills and then just outside the town of Coleraine. If I asked you where you come from, what citizen are you of, what 
country do you come from? You'd say, well, I'm a citizen of the United Kingdom. Somebody might say, I'm a citizen of the Republic of Ireland. Or somebody might say, well, I'm a, a citizen of France or Germany. Somebody might say, I'm a citizen of the United States of America or Australia. You see, to whom do you belong? It, it's speaking about a family connection. But let's think of that in a spiritual sense. You see, there are only two families in the world. There's the, the children of God. And there's the children of the devil. And remember the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 44, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Over there in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 26 and the, the verse 18, the apostle Paul in his preaching said this as far as his ministry in the Gentiles was concerned, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Acts 26, verse 18. You see, the power of Satan to control. The power of Satan that puts a spell over the individual. And those out of Christ tonight, who are not children of God, born of the Spirit and washed in the blood, they are in fact in the devil's family. And they're lost in their sin. And they're in the lap of wickedness. And they're heading down that road towards hell and a lost eternity. Remember what the Apostle Paul says in Acts chapter 17 and in the verse uh, 26. He, he makes a, a marvelous statement at a place called Mars Hill uh, just outside the great city of Athens. Uh, listen again to the word of God. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell in all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation. Now let me ask you, do you see yourself here? A young man and his family connections. To who do you belong? The physical sense, the literal sense. But who do you belong in a spiritual sense? Do you realize you're born into the Adam family? And you're born a sinner. And you're born a stranger to God. And you're born under the control and domination of the devil. And you belong to that spiritual Egypt. And you're a servant to your master, the devil himself. And you belong to him. And he's a cruel master who'll just use you to do his bidding. And once he's used you to do his bidding, he will dump you. You'll become useless to him. And he'll disregard you. And he'll leave you to die and destroy you. That, that's the young man and his family connection. Notice, secondly, the young man and his fiery conduct. He went on to say to David, We made an invasion upon the south of the Carathites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, verse 14, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burnt Ziglag with fire. Now, I want you to especially underline the word, we burnt Ziglag with fire. This young man was saying to David, I, along with others, was fully involved in that activity. 
He's, he's, he's confessing his actions and his lifestyle. Notice we burnt Ziglag with fire. You see, there was a burning. You think of the wicked burning of homes of people. We burnt Ziglag with fire. He was involved in this wicked, cowardly, fierce activity. He didn't care about the people, the women and the children. You, you can picture the scene, no doubt traumatized. No doubt watching their few prized possessions go up in flames. Not only was there a burning, but there was a bondage. They took the women and the children captive. The old, the young, the boys and the girls. You can think of the crying when they come into the camp. The running. Can you hear the screaming? They're, they're, they're being rounded up. Now thankfully in the providence of God, none were murdered. Because it says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 2, they slew not any. I'm amazed at that because sometimes we watch things in the television where in the past raiders have come into particular little villages and there was murder as well as mayhem. But on this occasion, none were murdered. They slew not any. And by the grace of God, thankfully, none of the women were physically harmed. None of the women or children were physically abused. How do I know that? 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 19 says this, and there was nothing lacking to them. In other words, there was nothing done to their hurt or their harm. The only thing they had was the ropes or the chains that led them off on that three-day journey under the dominance and control of the Malachites. And I'll tell you something else in this young man's fiery conduct. Not only was there a burning and a bondage but there was a badness. We burned Ziglag with fire. You see, it's different when you belong to the devil. For those that have no testimony of belonging to the Lord, for those that have no life of purity unto God, for those that have no loyalty to the Lord and his word, they belong to the devil. They're under his control. They're under his spell. And he uses them to fulfill his plans. Let's go back to that text of Scripture in John, in John chapter 8, verse 44. Let's read it again. Let's hear the words. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar. And the father of it. Now think of those whose father is the devil. And the manifestation of their lust, their lies, their lewdness, their, their, their love of the lolly. And I'm not thinking of lollipops. I'm thinking of money. Money's their God. And, and think of those who live a life of law-breaking. Remember the apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 2 and verse 2, where in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We have heard news this past few days, maybe this past weeks. I think of examples. That nurse, Lucy Letby, who was the murderer of seven precious children, a, a, a premature born babies, injecting their tubes with insulin or air, forcing fed milk into the tube. Five boys 
and two little girls. The judge that oversaw the case, he said that her activity bordered on sadism. It was asked on national television because I saw it, can you be born evil? And I want to answer that, yes you can. And are people born evil? Yes they are. Because the wicked go astray from their womb, speaking lies as soon as they're born. And remember it was the psalmist that said in Psalm 51 and in the verse 5, Psalm 51 and verse 5, it says, Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And again, it was David that said, For I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. We were mentioning there in prayer, as we mentioned this morning, about murderers. Today is the 43rd anniversary of the death of 18 soldiers and one civilian in the Republic of Ireland. The IRA, remember, opened fire on the soldiers that were coming to the aid of their um, comrades who'd been blown to bits in those two bombs in the Warren Point Massacre. One civilian was shot dead in the crossfire. We could think about drunkards tonight. We could think about drug addicts. We could think about the homosexual. The thieves, you think of those that are raiding stores in San Francisco and Los Angeles and other places, London included. We, we think of those who are wife beaters. I, I read this week about somebody had broken into a home and some man had special dogs and they wanted the dogs and they killed them and took the dogs. Why this badness? It's connected to being in bondage to a master. And that bondage can lead to certain activity, to beating and, and, and burning and, and belittling. This young man was for a long time siding with the wrong crowd. We burned zigzag with fire. He kept bad company and bad company corrupts good character and it adds to one's corruption. And I want to say tonight this. It's not a picture of many in Northern Ireland. Many young people even from good homes to get into bad company. And then they end up living a life of immorality, a life of drunkenness, a life of the party scene, a life of lust and gambling. Can I ask this? Will you own your sins? This young man said, we burn Zigleg with fire. Here's his fiery conduct. In other words, he's saying to David, I was involved. What happened in Zigleg? Those sins and crimes are mine. I, I did this. And he's bringing to the fore the wickedness of his heart. Remember what we've read from Psalm 32. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. That's what he was doing to the king. And mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. The young man was being humble and honest. Notice the young man's feeble confession, thirdly. He said in the third place, my master left me. You think of that. Why? Because three days ago I fell sick. And this young man, I want you to think of him 
I fell sick. He's helpless. There's a certainty of death staring him in the face. His lifestyle now has impacted on his physical health. His lifestyle has impacted on his mental health. His lifestyle is an indicator of his spiritual health. And young people, sin and Satan is out to destroy you. Out to bring you into the depths of despair. Out, out to damn you. You've heard the saying, sin will bring you down. It was the Reverend McRae, when he was here at the mission five years ago at the opening, mentioned the fact that sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin will take you further than you want to go. And sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And how many have left good homes and godly churches from attending the Sabbath services, from attending to the gospel, and they've gone out into the party scene where there has been drugs and, and, and drink lifestyle, and they've been introduced to that, and their lives are now destroyed and ruined, and they've got the mental scars to prove it. You know, many young people in our society, folks, despair of life. And we don't have to go very far. Just go down. If you were to go down tonight, take a wee walk through Belfast at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And you'll see young people who are helpless, lying in the street. Young people who are hopeless with no strength to help themselves. See, this young man was lying in the field. He couldn't lift himself up. He fell sick in the field. And where he fell, he lay. He may have tried to get up, but he couldn't. And how many of our young people are being destroyed tonight because of drugs? There's an awful drug in Northern Ireland that's come in from America called fentanyl. It's far worse than heroin. It leaves young people zombie-like. And here's this young person. My master left me. That's his feeble confession. Forsaken of his master. Master didn't care about him. Master didn't really love him. The master just wanted to use him and abuse him. I have a job for you. Come with me. We're going to burn Zigleg together. And when the job's done and he falls sick, the master leaves him. We read of 400 of these young men that fled in their camels. Why didn't they put one of the young, this young sick man on one of the camels? Because they had no love or care for this young man. They left him alone to die in the field. Is that a picture of you tonight? You make the feeble confession. Can you admit tonight you're helpless, you're without strength, you can't save yourself? You've fallen into trouble, you're in a state of hopelessness, you've been led into great sin and you're, you're, you're full of guilt, you're empty, maybe you're even suicidal, you're at the point of death. But I want to tell you, I have a message for you. And it's this as we finish. Think of the young man finding conversion. This young man that had this family connection, this young man who had this fiery conduct, this young man with this feeble confession, this young man found conversion. He was in the presence of King David. Think of King David coming after the burning of Ziglag with fire. And those involved, no doubt, would have been the objects of hatred and wrath and condemnation. This young man confesses to David in his presence, we burn Ziglag with fire. I'm one of them. I deserve to die. I deserve condemnation. And this young man was showing grace. 
This young man was spared. This young man found favor with David. This young man was saved. I want you to notice. It was David's men that found him. 400 of them looking for clues. Let's find who the perpetrators of these wicked deeds were. And they found this young man lying in the field. He didn't find David. David and his men found him. And doesn't it illustrate the gospel? King David, like the Lord Jesus, seeking and finding a sinner. The sinner being brought into the presence of David. He's worthy of death. But he's shown favor. He is spared. He is saved. For by grace he is saved through faith. And not, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Finding an individual. And this young man is saved. Brought into contact and communion with the king. Is that a picture of you tonight? Can you testify that you've been shown grace? Because salvation's all of grace. That your life has been saved and spared by the grace of God. How? You've been shown mercy. Think of what David did. He gave him bread. He gave him water. Is Jesus not the bread of life? Is Jesus not the water of life? He, he added to what he had already given. He, he gave him a, a, a cake of, of, of figs. He, he gave him a, 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 a portion of raisins. His life was brought into contact with the king. And here's what the king did for him. I'll tell you something else as we finish. This young man changed his allegiance. David asked him, canst thou bring me down to this company? And the young man, we read in the scriptures, and I will bring thee down to this company. Spare my life. Don't hand me over to my master. And I will bring thee down to this company. Let me ask tonight this do you recognize your need of a savior? Do you repudiate your sin? Are you willing to repent of your sin? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible tells us the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. The Bible tells us whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And here's another promise. John 6 and 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh, I will in no ways cast out. When that young man said, and I will bring thee down to this company, he changed his allegiance. He's acknowledging that David is now the king of my life. And he rendered service to David. He has no desire to go back to his master. And you see, when the Lord saves a soul, the Lord uses a soul. It's a, it's, a, it's a picture of a life of useful service. And he brought him right to the place where the enemy is. And glory to God, there was a safe and swift recovery of all that David has lost. And the Lord saves his people. He saves them for this purpose. That they might serve him. And that's why we preach the gospel. And I would encourage you, especially in preparation for our gospel mission coming up at the harvest time in the month of October, that you put your heart to praying for souls and put your heart and mind to reaching souls for Christ. For I finish with this and think of the state of our country tonight. John Wesley, as I mentioned, a brand from the burning, jumping out of a burning building into the arms of his father, 
wonderful picture of salvation, said this. The founder of Methodism. Give me a hundred preachers who fear nothing but sin, who care nothing but God, and I under God with them will shake the gates of hell in this country. He was thinking about England. And you know, that's what we need. Those whom the Lord saves, the Lord uses for his glory. That's why we live to preach. That's why we preach the good news of the gospel. The young man found conversion at the feet of David. He changed his allegiance. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away and all things have become new. And all things are of God. Is that true of you tonight? I trust that it is. I trust that you see yourself as a sinner who's been saved to serve the King. The Lord bless you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening.